Welcome to the Seven Sense Podcast. This is a space to explore, reflect, and share. Open conversations for the heart, mind, and soul. Welcome to episode six of the Seventh Sense Podcast. My name is Eugene Yashaga. And my name is Edna Jerry. I think first of all is how have you been? I've been good. I'm feeling a bit like I would say under the weather right now, but I've been good generally. It's been a good week. What about you? I've been good. Um, the retrograde maybe is just like it's affecting a lot of shit. My dreams are weird, but I'm glad like I'm on leave, so I'm actually to sleep in. I'm able to take in the effects as the week progresses and as the days go by. So I'm grateful. I think I've been good. Um, it's weird to be on leave. You're so used to doing something every day, so when you're not doing it, it's just like, so what do I do? And like as We've always done it, I think. I'm just going to ask you a question. And my question this time is, what thing were you told in your childhood that you still believe in? That's true or not true, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you just you still believe in it. One thing that was really instilled in me growing up, and it's something that I still carry today, is the importance of planning. Like, you should always have a plan for your day, whatever it, <clears throat> whatever it may be. Have a plan and have, like, some sort of routine. That will always make your life flow a bit easier and that's something that I've always seen like as simple as just getting up and making your bed I know some people don't make their beds every day so like the importance of having a plan and building routines is something that I still carry with me that's deep I mean you know I was going to say the tooth fairy oh yes I believe in that shit I remember yeah, I found like Benji's underneath my pillow so I still like believe in that shit uh, Santa Claus is a whole different thing. I think I ended up finding out it's Papa's dad who used to dress up as Santa Claus for Christmas. So that one went when I figured out it's a real person. But yeah, so a tooth fairy. Okay, so for this week's episode, we're going to be talking about love languages, which is yet another topic similar to manifestation, which we discussed in the last episode, which has a lot of hype online. A lot of people use it. People use it in so many different ways. People will be like, Branch is my love language, and so for today's episode, we're going to be talking about love languages, where they actually came from, um, what they are, if there's any research behind them, and how they actually apply in real life. Um, I think a good place to start is where did love languages come from? So love languages um, came from a book that was titled The Five Language. The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. And this book was written in 1992 by a pastor and marriage counselor known as Dr. Gary Chapman. So he based the whole book on the premise that different people with different personalities give and receive love in different ways. And how this all came about is because he had been speaking to couples. As a pastor, he was doing the whole marriage counseling thing. And so during his um, these talks and like the seminars, he would talk about the five love languages. So then he decided to put it down into a book. And initially, when the book was written, obviously because of his background, it was aimed at married Christian couples. But then it's since then been extended to apply to parents and children and even to co-workers. And it's like sold tens of millions of copies, is on the bestseller list, has been on the bestseller list for over a decade. And it's so popular that many of us know about the five love languages without even having read the book. I've never read the book, but I know about them. So what are the five love languages? 
I think even before when was your like your first interaction like with love languages? Maybe just like in uni at some point probably I had it like I saw it on Twitter. I I don't have like a distinct memory, but I know it was definitely later in life, like okay. just an early memory. Yeah. You? Same thing. I was just like, maybe I'm in uni or something. Same. Um. Just the internet. You know how you just you stumble upon things just on the internet. Yeah, so I think same. one of those things um wasn't really taught. Didn't hear it anywhere else. So I think it was just like my own volition and I found it like on the internet. Yeah. Um so I guess I mean there are five of them and we'll kind of turn like and walk through each one of them with our own understanding of it but also like things we've seen and picked up and read about them. So I think I'll start with um words of affirmation. Words of affirmation is basically verbal communication. Mm-hmm. that is encouraging, appreciative and active. That's how I would break it down. So affirmation is basically like I love you, um you're doing well. You are good at Yes. And I think I look at it in the sense that you see how affirmations work for yourself when you talk to yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself all these um I am the king, I am the queen, I am the best at da da da. It kind of like ends up rewiring your brain. and you never feeling better about yourself and through the law of attraction which we actually talked about in the previous episode you feeling better means you're able to attract better things to yourself because your vibration is a bit how would i say it's more positive so i think this that's my psychology we're just understanding this words of affirmation part was you being told positive things about yourself kind of helps you believe and entrust and attract better things into your life But how does it work in terms of um before you even get like any further do you think that these things you communicate like in your relationship before it starts or you like you let it like be figured out like as you go on and I think maybe it's something you can answer me at the end but just something I thought of right now yeah i think it's definitely something you have to communicate like no one's going to read your mind and i think if you leave it to be figured out i might be projecting my love languages onto you i like words of affirmation so then I'm, I do words of affirmation but that just really doesn't do anything for you so yeah. I think when you're dating before you're in a relationship it's a good time to get to know each other's uh, love languages okay i think I'll go on to quality time so people whose love language is quality time feel the most adored when their partner actively wants to spend time with them and is always down to be like down to spend like to hang out and kick mm-hmm. it with them um they really um appreciate the fact that It's just active listening. There's eye contact, there's full presence. So this means like, you know, there's no phone interruption, there's it's just time between you and your partner. Mm-hmm. So it's basically about undivided attention. Um that's it for quality time. Okay, then we can move into acts of service. Acts of service is about doing helpful, thoughtful deeds for your partner. Things you know that they would appreciate. um for example if you know they have they're missing something from their house you can go and pick it up for them that would be an example of an act of service okay and we're speaking about this in the context of relationships but it also applies in like friendships etc etc you could also do an act of service for like your neighbor your coworker based mm. on how you know them and you know what they would need 
how what's a thoughtful deed you could do for them that's an active service okay um i think gifts it's pretty straightforward um you feel loved when someone gives you visual symbols of love i think sometimes we get caught up in the i bought you a car Mm-hmm. and think it's more about the thought behind the car so it might have been something maybe you mentioned maybe a year ago I'd like a car that's in this color all the details and they actually got it for you in those exact details I feel like that's what gifting is it's the thought behind the gift so much sentiment here behind it I think if you attach it to the gift it's kind of a bit wishy-washy but also let me not dictate I feel like other people who their love language is gifts maybe they understand it like differently yeah. But for my own like perception of it, it's just that. And then the final one is physical touch. How do you even really explain physical touch? It's literally physical touch. Mm. So it's like what physical intimacy and touch. Yeah. Um. I think it comes more of like from your formative years. The only way like your parents could ever communicate affection and love to you was that they touch you. That was like your first. Like maybe. I want to say inception to understanding a bond between you and someone else. Yeah. I want to say maybe, and depending on how many people do the test and then look at it, physical touch ends up being highly ranked, but also depending on things that happen in your course of your life, it can be deterred. But I think for most people, it's innate because that was your first way of receiving affection like from your parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the five love languages. If you think about it, based off of that there's sorry yeah i was gonna add for physical touch there has to be consent it just can't be my love language is physical touch and the other person is not like consenting to it so it has to be something that it's accepted it can't be something that's used as like a bargaining chip okay yeah so if you think about the five love languages we've named that they're all like sort of categories of behavior so when you think about affection, when you think about love, what do you associate it with? Is it what people do for you? So that's acts of service. Is it when you have intimate moments with them? So that's physical touch. So it really depends on which category of behavior that you associate with affection. And how you can actually break down your love languages and determine what yours are, there's tests online that you can do. Yeah. I don't think I wanna like, Put mine out there because when i was sitting back when i was actually like doing my research on this i'm like can it be like manipulative in the sense that i understand your love languages and i might use them against you to my benefit do you get what i mean it's definitely a possibility but it's a lot of work like because what if you my love languages are not your love languages so you're changing your behavior too much what i want just to get something what if it's not working like i feel like it's we've seen people of, who've done like a lot of like manipulative shit yes yeah, for sure my opinion is you do the test like maybe with your partner um like your brother your siblings people who are like a kind of bit more close-knit to you i don't know i just find like it can be manipulated and can be used like against you in yeah. a sense yeah or just do the test on your own and then know them and then ask whoever you would like to ask and hopefully they've done it if they haven't yeah. you can give them the test um so at a basic level okay so love languages is about you understanding what your partner needs or wants and then you doing that yeah but the thing is 
that's a very basic element of relationships. You need to be paying attention to what your partner needs and then you need to be showing up to what they do. So that's kind of been the point of contention where people are like, it's not a very groundbreaking thing to pay attention to your partner. It's like... Um, and I've always been of the opinion that cool science exists and it's based off of research, it's quantitative and qualitative, I think. But like you're saying, it should be a bit like autonomous about you to be like, okay, fine, I want to understand my partner a bit more, I want to get to know them. I always feel like whenever something is broken down so and com- like compartmentalized and just made in so many boxes, it kind of takes away the fun of actually getting to... Fine, I might not know it's acts of service, that's like the title, but I know what makes you feel appreciated, makes you feel loved. That's always my thing. It's just some things are more, it's intuitive as opposed to it's textbook. I know, oh, this is a thing about it. Yeah, but again, the book is very popular. So owing to that popularity is when like research has been done because it's like, oh, this is such a big book. Let's see if it actually works. And it's true, the results have been mixed. Like it's, some of them completely agree and show like relationships where the intentions of languages are so much better. But the thing is, the basic part of what you're saying remains it's you pay attention you have the attentiveness and then you change your behavior to match the what you've noticed yeah but again for some people it's like i don't have one primary love language Mm. and then again something else that people will say is something like quality time is a basic necessity for any healthy relationship so you can't really it sort of cuts across for everyone you can't really have a healthy relationship without quality time so that's where the research comes in it's like some studies show at the basic level this they show that you paying attention and then you adjusting your behavior is um essential for your relationship but there's all these other points that come in that like it's quality time you have to do it like so we live in a like day and age where um, online dating is a thing and we have people maybe who meet like on Instagram or Twitter and maybe you're like on opposing sides of this world and let's say one of you like your love language is quality time and this other person is physical touch but when you talk everything is cool you know what I mean so does it mean like certain people just based off of their love languages you might have such an amazing um, relationship with someone but long distance is going to affect like some of these things if your quality your thing is quality time but or physical touch even though it's long distance or online you still have quality time just not in a physical sense you still have to spend the time to reply to their messages make sure you're keeping in touch schedule calls etc etc that's the version of quality time and physical touch for that but what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that physical touch is a requirement for all, I'm saying quality time is a requirement for any healthy relationship. Mm. It doesn't matter whether it's online or offline, like either way, okay. you have to still find a way yeah. to spend some time together. Okay. And I think physical touch is so tricky because you can't insist that your love language is physical touch. Trigger warning, sexual abuse. You can't insist that your love language is physical touch without taking to understand taking the time to understand if your partner has like sexual trauma 
so then for them physical touch might be not a primary love language yeah and then it's like so how do you respond to that i think it's um i mean there are a bunch of like horny boys out there you know what i mean so they might use that as um to get what they want you know what i'm saying it's like yeah my thing is physical touch I think it goes above there's intimate touching but also there's a physical touch of your holding hands you can hug there's um I can hold your foot like there's certain things you can do that are not really Sexual. leading towards you know yeah hey, I'm trying to get you know let's get physical but there's the I just want you to feel my presence um I don't know how to put it but you feel secure in my presence around you i think maybe if you look at it from that lens in terms of i'm just making you feel safe and again consent is everything so and the thing is things you learn from your partner you also you you pick up as you move mm-hmm. so maybe you find out okay if i may be holding hands oh that works for them that makes them feel comfortable so i think it's always about compromise and sacrifice most of these things your physical touch might be yo may i want to be hugged all the time but maybe for your partner is not the same thing but as long as you have that conversation you guys end up having that understanding yeah and it just works so what would you say like where do you draw that balance between this is my love language that i like giving and this is the love language that you like giving so how are we meeting in the middle to make sure everyone's giving and receiving what they want one thing i always say you can have one love language you can be someone 2 years ago who's so different now and that evolution about yourself it's that constant self awareness so i think you might be in a relationship maybe for even 7 years with someone but in those 7 years your love language has evolved every year because you also get to learn yourself so i always say it's just be open to it might change 6 months 3 months from now like what your primary one is no your primary one will always stay kind of like intact your secondary one might shift depending on your relationships I say self-awareness, understand what yours is and don't and like impose that on someone else. Understand and just communicate it. They might not get it instinctively. So like for example, gifts is like a 0% for me. So you might buy me all the gifts in the world and it might not seem like I'm appreciative, but I am, but it's just not something I'd use to be like, oh shit, they love me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So with that understanding, someone else might be able to use I don't know. I think just communication. You're able to find out okay, fine. Yeah. This actually works for them. It's all about communication. It's about the communication of this is my love language and then the checkups throughout the relationship of yeah. How does this make you feel now? Is this still do you feel um my affection when through gifts does that still do anything for yeah. you? Yeah. I think because yeah. we constantly grow, we constantly evolve. So allowing yourself to also expand and receive affection in different forms that maybe were not who knows dear someone now I appreciate gifts might you know what i'm saying so just allowing yourself that flexibility yeah yeah i think that's kind of the beauty with love languages because they allow us to be very open about our needs without having to be like too vulnerable because you can just say my love language is quality time without having to say i need to see you every day like i miss that you're not spending time with me like you could just say my love language is quality time and it allows you to communicate your needs without having to feel so like awkward mm. about it at the initial stages of a relationship true so when do you communicate this thing is it like when 
of course when you're dating like when you get to figure the person out okay and I think the thing about love languages is sometimes it's in a relationship it's really about understanding your partner's love languages and them understanding yours rather than you understanding your own like it's about me understanding my partner's love languages so that I can speak their love language I can make sure that they're receiving their love languages and then they can do the same for me I think it also has an element to do with also you understanding yours because I might be speaking to you in a love language that you don't even know is like you don't know what yours is so I might be doing acts of service to you but you don't even know what your primary love language is you know what but I'm saying but that's when me for me to communicate what my love language is I think yeah it's important to understand your partners but I feel like without your own awareness of yours it's going to be a bit futile for whatever they do for you if you don't get what yours is then I don't think you'll be getting anywhere with it you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to read an excerpt from the that book The Five Languages where the author said we cannot rely on our native tongue if our spouse does not understand it if we want them to feel love the way we are trying to communicate then we must express it in our primary love language and then now he goes ahead to share other specific like things you can do to adapt your behavior to your partner's love language so it does start with yourself but i think the thing is not to go into a relationship wanting to express your love languages it's more of something that your partner does for you and you do for them their love languages rather than you like i don't want to say projecting but putting your love languages on them and maybe that's not what they're really looking for or need mm. okay that's yeah that's what i think i think even on that in the same breath i thought of why not even just look at um, the apology languages which is a whole new thing i think i figured out maybe like last month or something or maybe two months ago so ideally they're broken down again into like five um different forms of apologizing so one of them is expressing regret basically you can imagine it's i'm sorry um it's important to understand not only for your partner even for your friends people around you is how do they accept apologies and how do you again the same thing as i might give be giving you gifts but doesn't do it to you i might just be saying i'm sorry but that doesn't work into you actually being able to accept my apology so one yeah you express regret you say i'm sorry um when it sounds obvious um people kind of feel like guilt walking around not having said they i'm sorry and this may be your language if you want someone to acknowledge they hurt the hurt they caused you want someone to generally express that they regret their actions and you want to feel validated in your emotions that's you are expressing regret so if any one of those things work for you then that's how people like should or you accept apologies better second one is accepting responsibility so this one is it's easier to say i'm wrong you're right but i think with this one it's actually take into account of i said this i did this and it made you feel this way basically owning up and this may be your language if you want someone to take ownership of the hurt they caused or you want someone to clearly state what they did wrong to prove that they learned from their mistakes so the other one is making restitution so 
something is lost, broken, or damaged, is someone is owning up or kind of like making up for the inconvenience caused. Basically, I'll pay you back. Um, or hear new ones, like you had said. So this may be your apology language. If you want someone to prove they're willing to correct the problem, that is put the money where the mouth is. You find it important that the perpetrator makes things right again, whatever that may look like. And you want someone to take the lead in a situation. And genuine repenting. I found this on like so religious. And just in the word repenting, I guess also, the way I understand it. Just change of behavior. So if I did or said something that made you feel away, it's about me changing that behavior as opposed to I keep on doing it, I'll keep on apologizing. It's just I need to change my behavior about it. Mm-hmm. This may be your love language, apology language, sorry. If you need proof that someone is growing and working towards change, you need assurance that you won't be let down the next time around. Words aren't enough for you. So you just want to see change behavior. Yeah. Regardless. And then requesting forgiveness um, allows the other person time to process their hurt before assuming everything is back to normal. Saying I'm sorry for letting you down, can find it? Can you find it in your heart to forgive me? Places the power back into the hands of the hurt party. So basically I've done something, I messed up, I come and ask you, okay fine, are you willing to forgive me for doing X, Y, Z? So this one works if, this one is for you, if you're not quite ready for reconciliation yet, you need more from the apology and want the space to ask for it. And you need to know the person apologizing is willing to wait until you're ready. Basically, this is like the five apology languages. I felt like it was kind of cool. Also, I want to like internalize them and see how I actually apply them in my life and which it actually works for me. Mm. Do you yeah. think apology, actually apology, um, forgiveness is like, like what do you think about forgiveness? Is it something that's like, instant or is it something that's earned or is it something that i am like i feel like every time i'm constantly trying to like relearn and re-understand the concept of forgiveness i feel like i don't get it yet so does it mean me saying oh i forgive you you know what i mean or is it patching things up that's what forgiveness is or is it walking away from something because you know this is done. So I've forgiven you, but you don't have to be like, you know, there's so many facets to forgiveness. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. But when do you feel the most like healed or at peace with the situation? Because for me, I know I'm quick at forgiving, relatively quick at forgiving, but it will never, ever, ever be the same. Like I'll always, it does, it takes long for me to let go, but I've made peace with it, but I'm just way more so you see like is that forgiveness then should forgiveness be we go back to hype used to be there but we can't undo whatever was done it was already done so so we're doing our best with how things are now so forgiveness isn't about it going back to what it used to be that means you've let go and let live i don't i don't have that like for me it's about when i've actually made peace with what has happened because i feel like sometimes me trying to go back to how things were makes me more angry about the thing I should be forgiving, makes me more resentful to the person because I'm like, well, why did you do this? It's about when I get to that point where I've actually accepted, okay, this happened. It wasn't even, let's say, for example, it wasn't even anything to do with me. It was just how things fell, like how the cards fell, and I'm okay with that, and now we move forward. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to forget. Like, that never happened. That's not even a thing. I'm definitely going to be a bit more cautious moving forward. You see, as for me, I'm like, I need 
it's something I'm constantly like trying to understand. Okay. Yeah. Because for me, in my maybe ideal world, it's if I've forgiven you, things are going back. So, yes, this thing happened, but we like erase it. It definitely also depends on the level of whatever the thing is. If you like mm. hit me when you're passing versus if you like cheat in a relationship, those yeah. are two very different things. So I think it also depends on the level of the thing being forgiven. I mean, true. Also, I think it also depends on the depth of the relationship with the person who wronged you or harmed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's like about it for me in terms of looking at love languages and apology languages. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we'll leave the test linked, a test linked that you can do in case you don't know your love languages. In case you do, this is your reminder to communicate them to your partner, friends, family, find out theirs. And that would really increase the health, increase the satisfaction of your relationships. Yeah. I think also get to know yours also. I feel like the people who walk around without even knowing anything about. Okay, so with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. It was a quick one, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us a rating if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and we will catch you guys next week. Peace. Love. Phenomenal.